You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Don Bentley on the show. He has an amazing new book. It's the latest in uh, in the the Tom Clancy Jack Ryan Jr. series. It's called Target Acquired. And if you love thrillers the way I do, uh, this is a you know sit on the edge of your seat turning pages furiously um addition to your to be red pile that you must have uh welcome to the show well Don. thank you hank and and that might be the best intro i've had i need to <laughs> tape that and, and, and ask man i i want to read this book now so i appreciate that <laughs> you are welcome and you're welcome to use uh you know anyway. <laughs> i just got to give you permission now uh Don, before we get into all the great stuff we're going to talk about, we begin each show with the same question. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? So when I was about, I think, in third grade, um, I had uh, grew up, you know, my, my parents were great at reading to me and 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 watching um, even back then, I remember watching the old Star Trek reruns with my dad and being captivated by that story. And I remember in third grade having this idea of some Star Trek episode I had watched and thought, there's a different way that could have ended. And so I wrote my first fan fiction uh, in the Star Trek universe at third grade. And that was, that was very much when I realized, you know what, I love storytelling and I want to figure out a way to do that. Um, where other people get to read or experience the stories that I tell. I love that. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, there's, there's no better, um, you know, toy box to get to or sandbox to get to play in than, than the Star Trek one. That's just, that's too cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Don, from that, from that time where you wrote your first Star Trek fan fiction to, <laughs> to now, uh, where we're, you know, we're we've got a new Tom Clancy book that you wrote. Um yep. the you know your your path from that point to this one um is exactly as you would uh, you would predict. Um and, and I say <laughs> that jokingly. Um you, you took a little detour uh you know as an as an army Apache helicopter pilot. Uh, what what was it that drew you to to that line of work? Well so I've been, um, my wife and I are high school sweethearts and we've been married for 23 years. And what she would tell you is that I cannot for the life of me figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And there's probably a, a, a substantial grain of truth to that. But the other part of it is I also, I grew up in a, in a household that was fiercely patriotic and, and my father um, served during Vietnam and my grandfather served during World War II. And I knew that um, I wanted to serve in the military as well. And Flying Apache helicopters might be um, the greatest job in the world or one of the greatest. It's hard to hard to believe that they actually pay you money to do that. I mean, there's when you fly an Apache, it has this 
amazing 30 millimeter cannon that hangs underneath the pilot and you can slave that to your eye. And so wherever you look, the cannon moves and you just look at something and squeeze the trigger and it goes and the whole helicopter shakes. I mean, you can't imagine (laughs) that somebody's actually going to pay you to do that. And you figure you should be paying them to do that. And so, um, I did do quite a few, uh, unique jobs. I was an Apache army helicopter pilot for 10 years and deployed, um, to Afghanistan as an air cavalry troop commander. And when I got out of the army, I was an FBI special agent and SWAT guy for a while. And then in the last nine years or so, I've worked with companies or for companies who were um, trying to market technology to special operations command. And so when when um, Without Sanction first came out, which is the first book in my Matt Drake series, I was doing an interview and, and the, the person asked me and they said, are you Matt Drake? And so Matt Drake, my, <laughs> my character there, just like um, Jack Ryan Jr. is kind of uh, a guy who works in the, the covert um, space, he's a, a case officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency and a former ranger. And I said, you know, I'm absolutely not Matt Drake. Let's just put that to bed um, now, just as like I'm not Jack Ryan Jr. But I have stood in the same room with men who could have been. And I think that was as a writer, that experience of meeting when I was an FBI agent, I got to rub shoulders with folks from all kinds of different agencies and do some really unique and fun things. And that those experiences of meeting the men and women who go into harm's way or do things on behalf of their nation that put themselves in danger, I got to experience that firsthand. And and because of that, when I write and the books I kind of write, I want to give my readers a vantage point into that life and into that community. And so that was from an experience standpoint, um, what it was like from a writing perspective and actually the craft of writing. I knew I had a great teacher my senior year of high school. Her name was Jill Easter, or is Jill Easter. She was my AP English teacher and was very, very encouraging. And at one point, you know, we had, we had written short stories or something. And I remember her taking me aside and saying, you have the gift for this. Like you could actually do this you should keep trying. And so I heeded her advice. And as writers do, I went to college and got a degree in electrical engineering, which is a <laughs> must for every novelist. And so so I, I didn't, obviously, in, in, but I did keep writing on the side. And, and finally, about 2001 or so, when I was still in the Army, I decided to get serious about my craft. And Writer's Digest Online at the time had some fantastic classes you could take that would was everything from the structure of a short story to the components of a novel. And and that really helped me with the foundation um, that I was lacking. And so I wrote my first book soon thereafter, and that got an agent, but it didn't sell. And I wrote a second book um, while I was deployed to Afghanistan and shortly coming home, and that got another agent and didn't sell. And so then I went back to school, and Seton Hill University has this incredible MFA program that is geared um, specifically at genre fiction and people who want to write genre fiction. And so I went back and got my MFA and wrote a third book, which also did not sell. And so finally, I wrote my fourth book that did, and it sold in a two-book deal in 2018 to Tom Colgan, who's now my editor for my Matt Drake series, as well as for the Tom Clancy series. So what I tell people is if you discount the 17 years and three books that didn't work, I'm pretty much an overnight <laughs> success. So that, that's what I say. Oh, Don, you uh, <laughs> that, that makes me so happy because, um, you know, not for your struggle that you went through, but um, 
you know, th- this idea of the overnight success is so um, yep. uh, is so glamorized and it is so not true in almost yep. every yep. sense. I mean, I think I think this show that we're recording right now is going to be episode like eleven hundred and twelve. And out of eleven hundred different, uh, you know, authors uh, that I've interviewed, um, none of them had overnight success you know and, and yeah but, but one thing that that i was thinking about you know when when looking at, at your bio and just kind of imagining what your life was like did did you ever have the presence of mind when you were active duty military or maybe working in swat or uh you know your uh your latest career with with marketing toward um sure. those people did, did you ever have the presence of mind to think uh, you know, when you're in the midst of the things that were going on, you know, this is a story that I need to that that I need to pay attention to, um, yeah. if that makes sense, you know, or, um, you know, because a lot of times we'll look back on life experiences and say, oh, well, this was an experience that I really want to write about and, and maybe not report on it verbatim, but it sure. informs things. Um, did you ever have the presence of mind when you were in one of those moments that this is something that I need to record? Yeah, I think as a writer, there are certain moments in time that you just get a ping, for lack of a better word, where you realize either an experience you're living or a story you're hearing, you're like, man, this has legs. Like This is something that could be um, maybe not the story as it's currently relayed, but this is something I'm going to use again. And sometimes you have the presence of mind to write it down. Other times, like more often in my case is when you're, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and you're staring at a book that you afraid is never going to be a book and realizing there's something drastic missing. And then you're like, aha, I remember when I talked to this guy and I should have paid more attention to him. And so most of them, that's my experience. And most of the people I should have paid attention to have been very grateful or gracious <laughs> to take calls from me later. And that actually happened in Target Acquired. And so that when Target Acquired opens up in the prologue, there are two Green Berets who are in a hide site and they're observing a target that is uh, a potential cult. And so over the course of my day job, I met a guy who was a master sergeant in um, in 5th Special Forces Group. And in 2007, there was actually in Iraq a cult of, of Shia um, members that was called the Soldiers of Heaven. And they were up to no good. And there was a huge battle that was fought there. They were an apocalyptic cult who may have been financed um, by the Iranians, may not have been. And, and, and he was actually a part of that battle. And so told me you know, verbatim how it happened. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to use that. And so... Obviously, I took some liberties with it and, and, tr- and transported it out of Iraq to somewhere else I needed it to be. And so it's things like that where you're you're talking to interesting people or you hear bits of stories and you're like, this has potential. This is something I'm going to use again. And so that absolutely does happen for me. Um, unfortunately, I don't know that I'm smart enough to usually recognize it in the moment, but I have, you know. A, a good enough Rolodex of memories that I can go back through and say, this needs to be in that book right now. And most of the people who've talked to me about it before are, are gracious enough to to let me follow up once I realize where it needs to go. That's amazing. Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPins is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. 
from the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process, the concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and three acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Right. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000-word book, it's about two cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let plot pins help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off plot pins. Plotpins.com. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website. Developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Uh, Don, 2021 is is uh, shaping up to be a pretty busy year for you. Uh, the <laughs> the Outside Man, the book two in your Matt Drake series. But by the way, if you have not read the Matt Drake series, stop. Would you pause this and <laughs> and go order those first two books in that series? Um, and I say first two because um, this has to be a long running series. Uh, it, uh, but anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> So the Mad Drake book two comes out in March, just a yep. you know three months yep. ago, and now we've got this uh, this Jack Ryan Jr. novel dropping yeah. in, in in you know the beginning of June. What has this last year been like for you? It's been crazy. It has been absolutely crazy because so much of publishing is uh, so 
even when after my 17 years wandering through the wilderness and trying to figure out if I was ever going to be a writer, <laughs> even when after Tom Colgan, my editor, bought um, Without Sanction, he bought it in 2018, but it still doesn't. Your first novel, there's an 18 to 24 month lead time before it actually oh, yeah. comes up. So you get all excited and you're like, I'm going to be a writer. And you tell all your friends and then they end up not believing you by the end because it's been 18 <laughs> months and there's still no book. And so, but then the 18 months that followed it between the outside man coming in and then he bought, so yes, there are going to be more books. He bought the next two in the series. And so Hostile Intent is coming out in May of 2022. He bought the next two in that and then the outside man. So the craziness of my life is that I turned in Target Acquired to my editor in February of 21. So literally whatever that is, three months ago, two months ago. That just came out yesterday. I'm now writing Hostile Intent, furiously trying to finish that because that is due on the 15th of July. So in whatever it is, a month and a half. And then I'll have to immediately transition to the next um, Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan Jr., which I shouldn't say have to because it's an amazing opportunity. But it also is kind of like going from not just sitting in the slow lane, but stopped in traffic in, in the highway to now you're on a rocket ship headed for the moon. And so that is absolutely went what the last year's been like for me. That's incredible. Um, we, we've talked about Tom Clancy uh, with, yep. with a number of different people uh, on the show before. And um, the amazing thing about Tom is he was not active duty military. He was not in the military right. at all. Um, he was a man with a, you know, he was an insurance salesman with a library yep. card and, yep. uh, you know, is the, the great, uh, term. I forgot who said that first, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it absolutely sums it up. Um, as when you were in the military, did you or anyone, you know, read any of Tom Clancy's books? Oh, absolutely. Like he was a huge favorite of folks in the military, huge favorite. He, um, I remember going to, um. When you're when you're in ROTC during the 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 summer of your junior year, you go to something that uh, back then was called advanced camp. I don't know what it's called now, where you get rated and and that de- determines um, whether you will get the branch that you want after you graduate and all that. And I remember you know seeing on my instructor's desk um, the uh, the book that was Dead of Honor, and 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 they like all across the time in the military, everybody loves Tom Clancy. Like he was so highly regarded, both for just being a guy with an insurance card a, a, or a, a sales uh, insurance salesman with a library card, as you mentioned. But what he did was in 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 the time before the internet made everything more readily avari- available, figured stuff out to the level that people thought he somehow had access to classified information, right? They're like, how in the world do you know that? How do you figure that out? And to be fair, some of the greatest writers right now, um, people like Vince Flynn and Kyle Mills and Daniel Silva and Brad Thor, none of those folks served either. Like all of them, you know, Vince Flynn was a bartender. Brad Thor was a travel writer. You know, none of those people did. And I think sometimes it's great to have served, but I think sometimes that can give you a blind spot because you think, hey, I know already how this goes down. I don't need to research it or I've seen this before where the folks like Tom Clancy and the people I just mentioned have to get it right and feel more of a pressure and don't have that 
those blinders on that I don't need to research because I've done this before. I think it can actually work to your advantage coming in to this genre completely cold, as it were. When uh, when you got the uh, the the tap on the shoulder to hmm. to write this book, uh, Target acquired the the newest Jack Ryan Jr. novel. Um, I, what was that? You know, as as someone who had sort of established himself in this yeah. genre, the military thriller genre. Um, how surreal was that to to huh. even be asked? And then, you know, once once you are tapped, how do you begin to to come up with a story that would fit these characters in this world? And um, yep. how how do you even begin? Yeah. So when when folks ask me like what it what was it like the moment you found out, and I'm like I don't know if there's a word for it, but it felt like, you know, one of my biggest joys and at the same time needing to violently throw up in the trash can next to me, right? Because you <laughs> you do have this incredible um, legacy that you're joining. You know, when, when I tell people that are, as a writer, the only thing I could think that would be equivalent to it is if you're a screenplay writer and somebody says, hey, do you want to write the next Star Wars movie, right? There's from the thriller perspective, there is nothing more prevalent in pop culture, in in literature, in movies, and everything than the Clancy universe. And being asked to contribute to something like that is incredibly humbling and incredibly daunting. And so, to answer your question, I did a couple of things. You know, I, I picked the brains. Unfortunately, I know Mark Graney pretty well. I know Mark yeah. Cameron. And I knew Mike Madden some. And so I talked to all of those folks. And then what made it, what kind of grounded me is that my my editor, who's also um, named Tom, Tom Colgan, was in, is the editor for my Matt Drake series. And that's how I got to write in the Clancy Universe is he asked me to do it when Mike Madden decided that he didn't want to anymore. And And he sat me down in the beginning and he said, look. I am not asking you to try and write like Tom Clancy. He's like, nobody can write like Tom Clancy. He was a one of a kind, you know, writer, once in a generation writer, whatever you want to use to it. He's like, what I want you to do is bring what you do in your Matt Drake series to the Clancy universe. That's it. And he's like, all I want you to do is do what you do, but do it here instead with these characters. And so that took some of the pressure off. And then the other thing, so Tom Colgan, in addition to being a fantastic editor, is famous for his ability to bring in writers to continue the legacy of, of thriller writers who have passed on. So whether that's the W.E.B. Griffin books, the Robert Ludlum books, or the Tom Clancy books, he is the guy that goes out and finds writers to come in and do it. And so whenever, you know, in the beginning, there were several times where I would jokingly do it but not really be joking saying hey man maybe you got the wrong guy because i don't know that i can do this or i can live up to this and he said you don't have to worry about it he said it's my job to find the right writers and i always find the right writer you're the right writer you don't need to think about that anymore all you need to do is write and so that helped to the you know take some of the pressure off and put it in perspective and such now from a process perspective you still have to come up with a story, obviously. And the way that it works in the Clancy universe is that you brainstorm with Tom Colgan because he very much serves as the continuity across the series and know what knows what's been done before, knows what other writers are doing. It's kind of the guardrails. And then you craft together kind of a four-page or so synopsis that the Clancy Foundation approves and says, yep, we're good with that storyline. 
And so what I wanted to do coming into this as a brand new guy was to neck down the scope of Target Acquired to try and focus almost exclusively on Jack Ryan Jr. And I did that for a couple of reasons. One, as a newcomer, I really wanted to climb into his head and understand what makes him tick. You know, besides just being a guy that kicks down doors and punches bad guys in the face, what motivates him? What motivates, what's he thinking as a human being? Where is he in his life right now? What is, what as a character makes him so compelling? And so I I wanted to do that. And then at the same time, give him the opportunity, you know, my editor said that when he and Mark Cameron were discussing one of the Clancy books that Mark Cameron wrote, Mark said, you know, what I want to do is figure out a way to make it a detriment to Jack Ryan Sr. that he's president. Because normally that's a huge advantage, obviously, right? Being president of the United States. And he's like, so how could I do that? And so I latched onto that like a pit bull and said, that's a fantastic idea and I'm going to steal it. And I'm going to say, what can I do to completely hamstring Jack Ryan Jr. so he can't rely on the normal campus assets that are in his beck and call? And it's got to be just him, just him forefronting the story, just him living and solving the problems by his wits and the skills he's developed. And so that's really what 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 went into Target Acquired. What one thing that I, I find fascinating and, and hearing that that little bit of background um, answers a portion of, of this question that I've been wanting to ask you. Um, but, I, you know, Tom Clancy's novels were the 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 stage that he set was so yep. massive. The the yep. cast of characters was so massive. Um, when you say, you know, a world that he built, you're literally, I mean, he yep. built an entire world. Um, yep. I remember reading The Bear and the Dragon years ago, mm-hmm. and I was talking with a friend about it, and, and he said, uh, so how's the book going? And I'm like, well, I'm 120, 130 pages in, and he's still <laughs> introducing characters. You know, that's, it's a massive thing. Well, yep. One one thing that you um, that you get pretty quickly in Target Acquired is uh, – and and I, I totally understand the the stage that you set there just a second sure. ago. Um, but one thing that that is uh, unique about this book is you do have this massive set of supporting characters that yep. you don't get to rely upon very much. Yep. This is this yep. is very very much a Jack Ryan Jr. novel. Um, when when you started kind of setting up those parameters for yourself and, and uh, yep. walling yourself in, so, so to speak. Um, how difficult was it to, to really get into the, the, the psyche and the, uh, the personality of Jack Ryan Jr. without having this enormous cast of characters to pull in for, for the shade and the color of a story yeah. that usually you get? So it was, it was certainly hard to do, but it was also – it was also liberating in that the sense of what you want to do, especially as the new guy on the block, come into a series like this is is fine. It's almost like I, I guess it was like it was Christopher Nolan, right? Who or some, getting that right? The guy that re, the director that rebooted the Batman series and stuff, right? Yeah. When he did that, and 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 he offered his unique take on that series and told it from a different viewpoint. And I'm not certainly implying that. I'm rebooting the series or anything. I'm not doing anything of the kind. But what you want to do is say, what can I do that gives the loyal readers something new and different to look at this character? And so 
where I started with that, like I said, when I when I kind of put myself in that box and fenced off the other characters, it forced me to dive deeper into Jack Ryan Jr. and start to ask some questions about it. So one of the things I thought about, you know, I'm most most sons live in the shadow of their fathers when they're kids. When when you're a kid, you think your dad's Superman. As you get a little older, you realize he's a human being and he's got some flaws, but you still hopefully deeply respect him and love him. But a lot of times there comes a point maybe where you eclipse what your dad accomplished in this life, right? And you still respect him, but you're your own person now. Jack Ryan Jr.'s dad is the president of the United States who's done everything from, you know, jump into a submarine that was being to rescue a a Soviet (laughs) captain who's getting hijacked, right? To saving, you know, in, in Patriot game, saving a member of the Royal family from a terrorist attack. Like you're never going to outgrow that father's shadow. Right. And so what does that mean for you as a son and, and what, and how much of what Jack Ryan Jr. did? Cause if you, in the, in the lexicon of the series, he started as just, you know, a, a guy who was a financial analyst working on the white side of things and then moved over into this espion. And how much of that was driven by the fact of you can't be Jack Ryan's namesake and be an accountant, right? You can't be. You you yeah. have to be something that lives up to that. And he's accomplished that finally. But then what did he give up to do that? Because the other part, you know, part of this book is him taking stock of his life right now and saying, man, when dad was my age, he'd already met my mom. He had two kids. He had this entire thing going. And what do I got? You know, I'm still a guy by myself, spending most of my my time trekking around the world. And I've accomplished this thing I've set out to do. But what did it cost me? And and what and what do I really want for my life right now? And so those are things which are always need to be ancillary to the story, because certainly this is not uh, by any stretch of the imagination, a self-help book where Jack Ryan Jr. stretches out <laughs> on a couch and ask the psychologist to take stock of his life. But I think it's things like that that help you take a look at the character in a way that you haven't before. And that's what I really set out to do with Target Acquired. 100%. And and you nailed it. Um, and I, I can't wait to see where you're going to take this character uh, in the future. I'm so happy to hear that you, you've signed on to do more books in this. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see where you take jack ryan jr and keep expanding this uh this wonderful gift that that mr clancy left us that's uh that's fantastic um don i I know you've got another interview uh coming up in just a minute but um what do you have up next Uh, i know that you you're doing another um jack ryan jr novel you're doing another standalone novel um it sounds like that things are, are really heating up for you yeah so it it really has been fast and furious and the easiest way to stay uh, up with what I'm doing is if you go to my website, it's www.donbentleybooks.com. So D-O-N-B-E-N-T-L-E-Y books.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there and that's where we do giveaways and and, and um, do cover reveals. So we just did the cover reveal for Hostile Intent, which is the third Matt Drake book and that'll be coming out in May of 2022. And so that's where you can find all things about me, about, um, the book series I'm doing and about the next Clancy book. And then I'm also pretty active on social media on Twitter and Facebook. And my handle for both of those is at Bentley Don Beast. So at B-E-N-T-L-E-Y-D-O-N-B. So if you do one of those two things, you'll be locked in and you can see what happens next. 
fantastic. We're going to put links in the show notes of this episode where you can go grab Target Acquired. It's available everywhere now. Uh, whether you want to uh, read it in Kindle edition or hold the paper in your hand or listen to the audiobook, you can grab it any way that you prefer. Don, this has been so much fun chatting today. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Likewise, Hank. It was great. Thank you so much. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.